can uh, be opening your Bibles or Bible apps to the book of Titus. The book of Titus, that's where our, uh, our series 2020 brings us today as we're looking for the gospel uh, from one cover to the next. So it may be a little hard to find, but it's right after 2 Timothy. Um, so the, Titus is the third and last of Paul's pastoral letters. Now remember, first and Second Timothy uh, were the others. And we're not sure exactly how Titus came to faith, but we see in this short book that Paul considered him a spiritual son, recognized the call on God's life to reach the island of Crete. Now, um, so you think about um, Europe, the map of Europe. We know how to find the uh, boot of Italy. If you just look to the right of the boot, it's like, uh, it's like the boot is kicking Crete, the island of Crete. Still there today, still called Crete. Uh, and so um, that, that's, that's the island we're talking about. So uh, notice how Cretans are described by Paul's early in this letter. Chapter 1, verse 10 and 11 says this, For there are many insubordinate, that means just defiant of authority, both idle talkers, deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole households, teaching things which ought not, which they ought not, for the sake of dishonest gain. And then he quotes one of their own poets in verse 12. It says this, uh, One of them, a prophet of their own, said, uh, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. So, uh, just so we're, we, we know where we're coming from here, the Word of God describes them as defiant of authority, idle talkers, deceivers who uh, subvert entire households. They lead them astray and teach falsehoods for dishonest gain. And then one of their own calls them uh, always lying, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. And for some reason, Paul, led by the Holy Spirit, looked at this and said, oh yeah, that's a great place for a church. And oh, Titus, you're the person for the job. You're the, you're the man for the job. Well, light shines brightest in the darkness, doesn't it? And, and Jesus didn't come to, for the healthy, but for the sick. And we know the gospel will not return void. It will do what it is set out to do. And that's exactly what happened on the island of Crete. Apparently the gospel connected to the hearts of some of these lying, evil, lazy gluttons throughout the island. And churches were born. Now, as we have experienced and we've seen ourselves, it isn't hard to revert back to the old us. And that's what happened. Some of them did that, and they brought false teaching into the church. And so the book of Titus addresses how uh, these new churches should function in light of what was going on. So hopefully you'll see, um, like with First uh, and Second Timothy, you don't have to be a pastor for this book to speak to your heart. So Paul wrote to Titus a few things that actually matter, things that make a difference to help a church um, and individuals move forward in, in their faith. And so number one on your outline, God's character matters. First of all, God's character matters. Uh, Titus 1, 1 and 2. Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. Now, do you remember the little song we used to sing as kids, complete with motions that I will not demonstrate? Um, our God is so big... So strong and so mighty, there's what? Nothing our God cannot do. It's a great kid's song speaking of the sovereignty of God, but actually, according to Titus, 
um, God cannot lie. He cannot lie. And, and that reality does not take away from his sovereignty. It's just part of what makes his character complete. God cannot lie because he is truth, and lying would go completely against his nature. So he, he cannot be anything other than truth. So let's contrast God's character with Satan's character. Satan is a liar, uh, John eight forty four tells us. He's the father of lies. Every lie can trace its roots back to him. He will twist the, the truth and flip-flop and change his stance on anything in order for us, to get us to believe his lies, in order to get us down, in order to kick us while we're there, in order to confuse us and leave us fearful and doubtful. Listen, God is not like that. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14.33 says he is not the author of confusion. Aren't we thankful he's completely opposite of that? And whenever we begin to question his character, we can be sure that that is the voice of the father of lies trying to get us to doubt. But we can take it to the bank. We can build our lives upon the truth. What God says he will do he will do. He will not call us to something and then leave us in the lurch. He will not leave you hanging. He will not run out on you. He is faithful. Great is his faithfulness. And this is the character of God, and it is the foundation of our faith. So in context here in verse 3, uh, he promised the hope of eternal life. And so by faith, we trust that he will give it to those who trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross. Church, we serve and worship the only God that promises eternal life for all who trust Him. And He cannot lie. Uh, one of the gods the Cretans were familiar with, who they loved to worship, was Zeus. You probably heard of him. He was the highest Greek god. Uh, Cretans like to say that uh, Zeus was born on their island. They love to tell stories of his debauchery with women who would lie to get his way. And God, God's word makes it clear. God is not like that. It's just one more reason uh, that he is worthy of our complete worship. God cannot lie. It was probably a truth that Titus needed to hear. Because he was called to this dark place. Don't you know there were struggles? Don't you know there were doubts? As he tried to be faithful to the call, the reality that God cannot lie reminded Titus to remember to put his hope in the fact that God called him for this specific role and God would sustain him and strengthen him all along the way. Maybe you need to be reminded of that this morning. God cannot lie. And because of God's character, there is hope. Verse 4 tells us there is grace and mercy and peace from God the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. And so we already see the gospel right here, uh, just the first few verses of Titus. Who God is makes a difference. It matters. And so now Paul will show him how to grow deeper in the gospel so that the gospel will grow wider in the world. Number two on your outline, leadership matters. Leadership matters. And principles that were given to, to these brand new churches in, in Crete still apply to us who've been established for uh, almost 200 years. It starts with leadership. Now, something we need to note, the words elders and bishops here, just like in, we saw in 1 Timothy, uh, we would call them deacons and pastors. Titus 1.5 says this, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking, and appoint elders in every city that I command you. 
And so the qualifications of these elders and pastors, deacons and pastors, are found in uh, verses 6 through 9. Verse 6 says uh, they should be blameless, as in uh, there's not this blatant correction that, that needs to be made in their character. It says they should be the husband of one wife, children who are not out of control. Verse 7 says not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not a drunk, not violent, not greedy for money. Verse 8 says uh, they should be hospitable. Loves what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled, solid in his faith, able to convince those who are out of line that they need to come back. So 16 qualifications for deacons and pastors there. And this is in contrast to these Cretans who are described earlier as liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. These men that now led the church, they used to be in that same category. Evil beasts, liars, Lazy, lazy gluttons. But when the gospel gets a hold of you, the next blank on your outline, grace produces different fruit. Grace produces different fruit. It changes your character, reflecting God's character. And character speaks louder than duties, talents, or skills. The leadership of any church should be held to a high standard. Are we perfect? Um, Not in the least. But we should also know how to uh, confess our sins and find a faithful and just God to forgive us our sins. And we should do that often. We should be doing that regularly as church leaders. Really, all of us need to do that. Um, I need to ask myself all the time, do I reflect God's character? If not, I need to allow Him to do His work in my heart. And I, I will also say this. You should be able to trust the character of those men who are leaders of the church. If you ever come to a place where you feel like you can't trust the character, the leadership of the church, if it's here, uh, we need to talk because either there's a a misunderstanding or there's a sin that needs to be taken care of. But uh, Paul wanted Titus to know that leadership matters because we are a reflection of the character of God. What else matters? Number three on your outline, lifestyle matters. Lifestyle matters. When we come to know Jesus as our Savior, the lifelong process of sanctification starts. Sanctification meaning uh, becoming more and more like Jesus. So God's Word goes on to address how this process of sanctification affects uh, five different groups of people. And these lists that follow, they describe the, the Cretan culture and it describes ours as well. And so to his spiritual son, Paul wrote in chapter 2, Uh, But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men be sober. So the first group that he identifies is older men. So evidently in Cretan culture, it was not natural for the older men to be sober. Uh, The next word is reverent. Evidently in the Cretan culture, it was not natural for the older men to be reverent. Uh, It was was natural for them to be irreverent, showing a lack of respect for the things that should be taken seriously. So the same with the rest of these. Um, Should be temperate. It means showing self-restraint, sound or solid in faith, in love, and in patience. And so all of these describe the opposite of Cretan culture, and believers are not to be like culture. Okay, so older men among us. I'm not going to, if maybe you fall in this category, maybe you don't. I'm not saying you're old or anything. But which one of these speaks most to you? If there was one that needed to work on, which one is it? Sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, love, and patience. What's God saying to your heart? Now the next category is older women. Again, I'm not saying, I'm not putting anybody in any of these categories. 
you make that decision. Verse 3 says, uh, the older women likewise, they are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers. It means uh, speaking badly about someone, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. Okay, so older women, here's your list. Uh, which of these speaks to you the most? Which do you need to work on? Reverent, slanderers, uh, not slanderers, excuse me, not given to much wine, teachers of good. So we got to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. Uh, it also calls uh, older women to admonish and encourage younger women. The next list, next people on your list, this group. Uh, so uh, if you're looking at the King James, it says younger women should be sober. Uh, and then verse 4 says to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet or modest, to be chaste or sexually pure, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Okay, so young women, you to love your husbands uh, and kids, to be modest, pure, good, obedient to husbands. This reiterates God's design for the Christian home. In his eyes, we're equal. Uh, there's nothing about male or female that, that makes us better in God's eyes. It is only Jesus. But we are different. We have different roles. Now, it also said homemakers. So younger ladies, don't panic when you see that word. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's sinful to work outside the home. Uh, but it does mean that your kiddos and your, and your family, your, your, your husband, is important, especially when they're young. So don't neglect them. And so in context, even here, it's between you, your husband, and the Lord. So if the two of you sense the voice of God calling you to work outside the home, then work outside the home. Uh, if the two of you sense God calling you to stay at home, then stay at home. Uh, the important thing is that we seek the Lord. Uh, I know a, a stay-at-home mom uh, and a mom that works both make sacrifices. They're different sacrifices for their families. But I know godly women on both sides. The bottom line is that we have to search out the will of God for our families and then be careful not to look down on the people who do things differently. We can celebrate that God leads families in different ways. We can celebrate with each other. Okay, so younger women, of that list, which speaks to your heart the most? Which one do you need to work on? Uh, young men, you're next. So uh, verse 6. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works and doctrine, uh, or what you believe and why you believe it. Showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned. That one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. So young men, notice the list. Uh, Sober-minded, living a life with a pattern of good works, showing integrity, reverence, not corrupted, solid in speech. Is there one that you need to work on? Which one? Uh, and again, these, these lists are a snapshot of what the Cretan culture looked like, where Titus ministered. It's what our culture looks like. It's what we may be tempted to look like, but the gospel makes us different. As we grow and we're discipled, the Holy Spirit changes our character from the inside out, and character matters. It matters. So as I made these lists, I noticed two things showed up on all of them. Two things all, on all of them. So apparently across the board, we all have the tendencies or capabilities, no matter what our age, first of all, to be irreverent. Irreverent. Uh, so that's showing a lack of respect for what should be taken seriously. So we do that with the things of God. 
We just kind of show a, a flippant attitude toward the things of God. Uh, God's word says this, but I want to do this, and so I'm going to pursue what I want to do. Uh, Lord, I know holiness is the goal, but this is just more important to me, and so I'm going to pursue that. It's a complete disregard for the will of God in my life, a complete disregard for what God says is best. That's irreverence for the things of God. And I just have a feeling that some, some among us, man, we just need to confess that because we're dealing with that in our lives. Confession needs to be made, and repentance needs to be made. But that won't happen until we see irreverence toward God as sin. A direct and blatant shaking our fist in the face of God, making nothing of His holiness and the sacrifice Jesus made on, on the cross. Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to speak your heart to your heart, or are you ignoring His voice? The second thing in, that in the original Greek is on all four lists is some form of drunkenness. Some form of, of drunkenness. Now we certainly know the culture around us in all age groups is prone to this. And so I will just tell you from my perspective, I grew up in a, in a Christian home where there was no alcohol. And listen, you may have a, a different perspective, and next time you preach on drunkenness, if the Lord leads, you can share that, okay? Uh, but the best way for me to stay sober-minded is not to drink. For me, that, that's the best way. Now, Romans 14 talks about being fully convinced on subjects like this. And so for me, for, for Jessica and my family, uh, this is best for us. However, I acknowledge uh, you may be fully convinced the opposite direction. It's, it's, a, it's another one of those things. That even in this room, there are godly people on both sides. The question again is, did we seek the Lord's will or did we just make up our minds because uh, we saw somebody else doing, doing the same thing? Uh, take, us, take the same stance. Did we, did we actually seek the Lord? Again, we have to be careful not to look down on people who don't see it the same way we do. We can celebrate that God leads people in different ways when, when the Bible doesn't come right out and say one way or the other. It does say drunkenness is not right. So there we go. Uh, for me, the best way to stay sober is not to drink at all. Now listen, uh, if uh, this is an area of struggle for you, we have an excellent CR program that is, uh, would be a great way for you to find freedom from that. And so if you have any questions, uh, come and talk to me. Uh, I'll, I'll send you to one of the CR leaders. There, there are, man, they're, they're doing a great job back there. And so if you have any issues with that, please seek help. So the two that are on each list, irreverence and drunkenness. And so God has addressed uh, older men and women, Younger men and women, now he addresses slaves. The next, the next blank on your outline. Exhort bond servants or slaves to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. So we see no matter who we are, no matter what group we are, we're in, lifestyle matters. We live in this world, but we are not to be of this world. From the outside, our families may look, a little, may look similar to other families, but we're not the same because of the gospel. From the outside, you may look the same as other, every other worker on the job, but you're not because of the gospel. Now notice in verse 10, slaves, it says, Slaves, by the way you live can adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. By the way we live 
can preach the gospel with how we serve. We can preach the gospel with how we work. Notice verse 5 again. Young women, by the way they live, can prevent the word of God from being blasphemed. Uh, We could restate it like this. That the truth of the gospel would be proclaimed in their lives. So this is the foundation for the book of Titus. The gospel changes us. It changes our lifestyle, and those changes should be evident within the church. And when the gospel changes the church, the church then takes the gospel and changes the community. We have to be done with a lifestyle that comes so naturally, the lifestyle of the flesh that we talked about not too long ago. The way we live matters. Are we growing deeper in our faith, in our relationship with Jesus? Are we we soaking in the grace that makes our lives different in Christ? Don't we all need God's grace. Look at verse 11. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live soberly, there it is again, righteously and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good work. So because of God's character, leadership in the church matters, lifestyle, the members of that church matter. We get to chapter 3, we see attitude matters. Number 4 on your outline, attitude matters. Attitude being the position that we take towards someone. Uh, Titus 3, 1. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, Showing all humility to all men. So here we have uh, yet another list. And as if God's word wasn't uh, just stepping on our toes, now he's trying to stomp on our toes. Uh, To speak evil uh, means to bring dishonor to someone. And isn't it interesting that the instructions to not dishonor come while speaking about rulers. We could say those in political office. And notice it didn't say, speak evil of no one as long as they're in the same political party as you. That one kind of hurts a little, doesn't it? Uh, Speak evil of no one as long as you voted for them or as long as you agree with all of their policies. See, we need to let that sink in, don't we? That that is anti-cultural, isn't it? Sometimes maybe we just need to turn off the news or maybe we need to get off social media. Because if these qualities can be found anywhere, it should be within God's people. Attitude matters. And many times, it's one of the biggest things that sets us apart from the world. And if you think, well, that's impossible. Well, the Cretans probably felt the same way. uh, Which may be why Paul reminded them, number five, the gospel matters. The gospel matters. For we ourselves were also, chapter 3, we, we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. In other words, we were once just like everyone else. But because of the gospel, uh, now look at what we have. Verse 4, chapter 3. Uh, when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy... He has saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, who He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, 
that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So we were once foolish, we were once disobedient, we were once deceived, serving lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating, but now we have kindness within us, we have love and mercy, now we are saved Now we have been washed. Now we have been renewed. We are justified. We have grace. We are heirs. We have hope. This is why the gospel matters. This is why, as the church, we are to be unified under the gospel. So, as we go into our our time of invitation this morning, Uh, This little book of Titus, man, uh, how is it spoken to your heart? Because we trust. Uh, God cannot lie, and uh, he says in his word that it will not return void. So what's God been saying to your heart? Would you just uh, take a moment right where you are, uh, bow your heads, close your eyes, and just uh, spend a moment inviting inviting the Lord to do his work in in your heart? What has God said to you? What are you going to do about it? of these lists that we've seen and there's a there's a lot and and again as always uh, we don't do these good things to get to heaven we do these things because we're going to heaven if i keep everything on that list um it's it's not going to earn my salvation it's only through christ but god's but but this gospel it sets us apart and so is there any area of your life that that needs to be set apart it's not right now. I'm always thankful that the Word of God speaks to our hearts well beyond what the messenger says. So what has God said to you through His Word? What are you going to do about it?